BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the last podcast on the left, Patreon. God, it's good to see you. I, I mean, I can't see you. Um, I can't really see anything. I have a blindfold on. I'm in an undisclosed location. This is Henry Zabrowski. Um, but you know who's not? It's my esteemed guest. Someone that is out here. I mean, because he can't be in hiding because he is on a promotional tour. <laughs> and he's got, he has to be out there. He's in four. And they, yeah, I'm certain, I'm certain he'd rather be asleep. But he, no, but he's excited about the movie. No, I see the yeah. eagerness in his face. He's excited about the film. Yes. We're going to get into the meat of it. This is William Brent Bell, the director of some of our favorite movies on Side Stories in the last podcast. We've like we've talked about The Boy several times. Where also has come up quite a bit, uh, which I also it's a great movie. Um, but most importantly, this your newest film, Orphan 2, First Kill, which I'm very excited for. Uh, I'm excited for the world to see. Thank you so much for being here, William Brent Bell. Thank you so much for having me. And obviously you can call me Brent. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I will, I will. I just, yeah, I mean, you know, it's for but, Googles. Absolutely. And uh, no, it's great to be here. You know, I, I I don't really want to be asleep, but no, like being um, in front of, out in front of things in a publicity ways, not necessarily, you know, where I usually am. I'm always behind the camera. So watching mm-hmm. the girls, watching uh, Julie and Isabel doing press this week, you know, I'm just like, ah, they make me look so bad. <laughs> Well, that's their job. And you have to be, remember, remember, remember yeah. who made you orphan? Yeah. You always say that to the actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, it's been fun. It's already been fun. Can I ask you, right? So number one, we'll get into the film. I'm excited about this because it's a prequel. Because at first I was just like, how are we doing the sequel to Orphan? Because not, again, spoilers. Let's just say Orphan yeah. doesn't fare very well at the end of the first movie. Her neck takes a turn for the worse. She gets what she deserves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. But my question is, man, what do you have against children? You know, um, I I guess (laughs) I just think that they're kind of up to no good. Kids kids remain pretty. A lot of kids remain really quiet, you know. Yes. Kids, Kids are wild, but those ones are too obvious. It's the quiet ones who I know hear everything. And, you know, I mean, I knew when I was a kid, you know, we, we our, our, our strongest memories of, of, of things like movies are well before 10. And oh, yeah. Yet yet adults look at a kid six to 10 and, you know, they don't realize how smart kids are. And I still remember how can oh, I yeah. we were as kids. 
I was a kid, I was very much so into everything that was spooky and dark, but it also used to terrify me. So essentially, I mean, I would torture my parents because all I'd want to see was whatever is the creepiest thing. And they were like, oh, like, and I'd read it too. Cause my, I started reading Stephen King when I was like 10 years old. Yeah. Like, and it was probably very, it's far too young. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I'm reading it. And my mom did the thing. Well, at least he's reading, but she doesn't know <laughs> that I'm up all night, like terrified by my own imagination. Yeah. I mean, and, but it, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and, um, I was terrified too, and I saw movies way too young. And it's what my parents did when, as a product of divorce, they sat me in front of the television, and I ended up watching scary stuff. My sister made sure I did. She was like four and a half years older, that perfect age where she hated me, yeah. but also <laughs> kind of was torturing me by having me watch Halloween and stuff as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. And and so while I have these, I have stronger memories about horror films before the age of ten than I do about like my regular life. Me too, um, man. The, was... the house. I was obsessed with the movie house. Oh yeah. As a little boy. And now I rewatch as an adult and I was like, it's a very weird toned film. I mean, there's, there's a lot that we were allowed to watch that had very weird tones and books that were written back then. Like you said, Stephen King, but I mean, you know, bestsellers back um, in the late 60s and early 70s when, you know, it was such a heyday for horror. Also, people were buying Jaws or, you know, oh, yeah. uh, The Other or these amazing books that turned into horror films. Um, it's not like that really necessarily more, except for kind of the more straightforward or like Stephen King or Peter Straub, you know. Did you, is that how you found yourself into, because you've directed a lot of horror. Like, do you feel that you are like, because I feel like some guys get a little bit like, well, I'm I'm a director. I'm not a horror director, but do you feel that you're like a horror guy? Um, And well, yeah, I mean, some, I mean, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. I'm always going to be from Lexington. I'm a horror guy. Like it's just part of my DNA. Some um, people, because some guys get umbrage because I've, I've had this talk with directors about this. And sometimes you're like, well, I'm not a, I'm a director. You know, and you're like, no, I know, but you've done only horror films. And they're all like, yeah. but you wait until I do my final, you know, Rob Zombie. I love him. He wanted to do the ho the hockey comedy. You know what <laughs> I mean? That he can't seem to get going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's in between movies, um, sometimes more than others. It's like it'll always be like, well, what's next? And then there'll be like some science, never rom-coms or straight dramas, yeah. but there'll be. um science fiction ideas or, you know, things that are in the realm, but not straight horror. And, um, and then I just find myself gravitating right back towards horror. And because to me, of course, it's such a wide spectrum of story styles that a lot of yeah. people who aren't as familiar with horror, they have a preconceived notion in their mind of what they think it is. And it can be any number of things. Usually it's either ghost stories or slashers, like and that's about all they kind of, connected to but yeah you know it's so much more oh and yeah so, the genre especially in the last couple of years has really shown just how beautiful and varied oh, the yeah. horror genre is horror genre because you can like it can be drama at its highest order i just recently rewatched the witch too and then you like watch something like that and you're like and that's a historical drama because we're on last podcast we're doing the salem witch trials and you see just how much work he put into that movie to make it like real piece of history like I mean, a listening to them talk in that old english style 
at first it's like, what is this? Like, I don't get, and then you're just, okay, I'm immersed in a world where people all talk this way and yes. you have to, you have to perk up and pay attention and to enjoy that movie. And I know I've seen stuff where he's kind of ashamed of that movie or something. Whatever. I'm he's crazy. Like, well, he said the same thing about the Northman too. He also was trying to walk back the Northman because he was like, oh, you know, it's an action movie. And I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so wonderful. But it's say, saying that he, that he had trouble like, oh, I didn't know how to tell a story when I did The Witch. I was like, you just need to come down, look at it again, because you've told a brilliant story. A beautiful story. Beautiful story. Yeah. Do you, do you do the same as a director? Is that the thing? Like, do you watch your own work? Like, when you go, like, do you watch it afterwards? Do you like it still? Or you're like, I never want to see Boy 2 again. Oh, that's good. That's a specific one. The, um, I love Brahms too. Uh, this well, is don't worry. You're about to get a series of boy questions. I'm I mean, about to come I mean, at you with that. Person. Every movie, you know, Ron Howard. I saw something where he said, um, you know, being a director, every movie is going to break your heart at some point, yeah. and it's really true. But it's also kind of like I guess I don't have kids, but that and I, not that I won't, but um, but you know, movies are kind of like your kids like you can't really choose necessarily and i always know what the intentions were or i know the behind the scenes or the politics so so i look at a movie that i've done sometimes with rose-colored glasses um because i might not see it just the way a normal public viewing audience would see it you know i've got yeah all the other scenes on my avid or i've got oh yeah you, know, yeah, yeah. you so, see so the other the, all the movies it could have been you see sure, all the, the yeah, different yeah. movies. Yeah. And um and and something like the uh like Brahms in particular was one that we've I've never had a situation where, you know, at the last second the studio came in and completely uh uh changed the movie sort of. And really? Oh yeah. And um, but that wasn't the only kind of problem with that movie, but it was definitely the biggest problem. Cause you know, yeah, I bet. It, and it happens. How does like, that process happen? Cause it's like, I do want to just talk about love of the boy. I want to ask this, but like in terms of that, like, cause I've never made, I like I've made independent films. I've always been on the talent side of it versus like the creating part of it, like and the editing. So when you submit your film, so is that idea is like when the, when the studio comes and change everything, like, did you hand them like, all right, we're done. Good guys, we did all of our work. Is it like that where you get a picture lock and you do all of your own sounds and posts? Is all the posts done too by the time you send it to the network and then they just do whatever they want with it? I mean, it's it's slightly different, you know, depending on the movie and, and yeah. where it is. Like we may like the film I, I just did in London, Lord of Misrule with Ralph Einstein from The Witch, you know, um, Man, he's, he's on fire, dude. He's, he's on fire. What a fantastic actor. And wait till you see him in this movie because it's 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 the most complete character since the witch. I mean, he's he's you know it's great. a full character in the movie. That but anyway, um, you know that movie. I'm locking picture this next week or two, um, and and finishing the sound mix and stuff like that. But we haven't sold it to a distributor. So when the distributor comes on board. They may crack the movie back open, and you never know. And and it's usually oh, seriously, they, they can do that. Like the distributor oh. does that. Well, no, they do it with me. And but oh, okay. okay, it's kind of like you know, it's with every movie. It's like, well, now let's spend some more money on this, or let's try this, or have you thought about this? And it usually is a good thing. And um, and sometimes 
you know, we go, I go through the whole process. It's not just my cut. It's every cut I oversee and the sound mix and every aspect. But in the case of that movie, uh, Brahms in particular, um, the, the company that was producing the film went bankrupt after 30 years making tons of movies. You know, Lakeshore, they made Underworld, they made uh, yeah. Million Dollar Baby, a million things. And um, and they just, you know, it just they were they were too big and uh, they went under. So all of a sudden you had no producers. And then the studio just kind of cracked it open and they're like, we want to make some changes because they thought, Oh my they God. And then you're, and, and you're like, basically your production company, daddy is gone. Exactly. Like the person that was supposed to be cradling this through that person yeah. whose project Protecting. it was. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so oh, then, no, then we, after I watched it, I was like, have you guys seen what they did? No, actually we've not seen, seen it. Like we don't have, like they're not involved anymore. So it was just it, literally, you never know when a movie can get tweaked in this huge long process and that's why i'm so paranoid all the time paying attention you know i mean it was the same way devil inside was that way like there was a tweak after a year of beating up that movie and testing it so many times at the last second the president of the studio made a change that went down in you know kind of movie history as as a you know putting up that card at the end of the devil inside was a last second idea that the only thing we never tested in that movie, and and he even you know told me later that he made a mistake. He meant for that card to happen <laughs> after the credits, but it was like you didn't say that, and it was one of the last directives that the studio asked us to do. Anyway, it was, and then it, it just changes, you know, it, it can affect the whole oh the entire movie because yeah. the ending is one of the most important. Yeah. parts of the movie because it's what the audience is the last thing they see yeah and so it's the last memory they have of what it's, they saw. it's difficult i mean I, i'm not complaining it's just it's it's tricky it's a lot it's yeah and especially if you're trying to do movies that are are gonna be seen by a lot of people you know then you've got a lot more money involved and a lot more politics because people are very worried about that money and the market oh, very much so so then you know, juggling. And then you can have your whole $90 million movie thrown in the trash for no reason that you worked on for a year. And now it can just go away. Even I mean, for, yeah, it was I, like already I, done. I, I mean, that's a shock. It's already, I've been texting with every person I know in the film industry that were I all mean, like, uh, <laughs> there's no way that's going to stick. You know, I mean, I, I feel like we've seen lately, especially, and I don't think this is what they're doing, but there is, you know, where they'll send out kind of negative. You know, like, oh, we're going to yes. be low in, in cherries this year for the, you know, uh, food season. And then everybody goes out and wants to buy cherries. But it was like, they were never going to be low on cherries. So no. it's like, all of a sudden we're talking about Batgirl. Like it's the the must-see it does work. of the year. No, it does work. Everyone, it's true. Because then everyone's like, now I got to see this movie. Absolutely. And then you're like, and then we're all going to sit there for the 95 minutes of a essentially a CW show and just be like... Well, I'm glad <laughs> how I feel is I'm just glad that everybody gets paid and everybody's work gets seen. To me, it's like I just know that how many the most talented artisans in the world get paid all of this money just to have their work shelves. I really do feel for the people making the costumes and, the, and all of that shit, you know. Like I said, I really believe, knock on wood in the system or whatever, that that movie can't be gone, you know. And nah, they're gonna see all this ground swell and I don't understand why it out. now, you know, like why you don't release it on HBO Max. But uh, yeah, it makes no sense. I, I don't know. It seems like it's already done. It's, you know, it's uh, fascinating. Right from your grave. A roast as dark as the night. 
perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Last Podcast on the Left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothed what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, 
Make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So I wanted to ask, so we actually, it was kind of funny that because when we got, we were talking about like, because you were out here promoting the film, but we actually just had this conversation on our show about the difference between Orf, literally Orphan and the boy about how that it's kind of like we, it was a jokey conversation, but the breakdown of like, no, one's an evil child turn adult movie. One is a object treated as child movie and that you can't and know the ending of the boy. Cause you don't want to do, but like, but my question is, what do you see as like the difference between these things? Like idea of like in the, the in the sub genres of horror, how do you break them apart? You know, what's interesting is, is I would probably say that, you know, um, the comparisons more Brahms, the guy in the walls to, to Esther, you know, you well, that was what in the show, we didn't want to spoil the ending of the boy who hadn't seen it. Like we were like, but now this is Patreon. So they're going to, you're going to have to know that like the boy's not the boy. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and so the, the sociopath or the psychopath, the human, um, it's really just about what, what, what sliver of the, their life story we see. So in the boy, yes. we see, the story we see, which is mostly about these parents, their coping mechanism, right? And um, and then we re reveal like it wasn't just a coping mechanism. Um, there's more to it. It's Same thing great. with you know, orphan. It's like she's a little girl, but she's not. She's she's actually this adult sociopath. We've just never delved as much into Brahms's story as we've seen her do now two full movies and seen a couple sides to her. So so the, there are it's there's a lot of similarities um, to me certainly on like my the things that get me excited about horror. Well, I like anything. The innocent on its head is one of the you know it's such a, it, it's good to a part of horror forever. But like when when you went to go to design the boy, yeah, like the doll, yes, the doll, the boy. Like how how many options did you go through, and how did you choose 
what the optics were. Because we it was another kind of conversation we've had ongoing on last podcast about like Annabelle, right? How I actually prefer sort of like the actual Annabelle, which was a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. And it's super plain. And then the movie one, they make it a little bit more elaborate, where I think the boys are really good down the middle. Like it's just a good old fashioned creepy porcelain boy. Well, you know, and that to me is um, scarier than if that boy was making an evil face and yes. had, you know, um, you know, forget the fact that obviously Annabelle was was in the zeitgeist around them as well. So whenever the studio wanted me to make him look scarier. Um, is no, that a like, note that they give you? Like, when oh, you yeah. show up? Yeah. Like, make him scared. Shouldn't he? And But I'm like, no, it's like, it's you know, Damien from The Omen. Or the two twin brothers from the other, or these characters are cherubic, like sweet kids, and but they're holding like a knife behind their back. And if you get close enough, they'll slit your throat. But and so I tried really hard to make him look um as those dolls did in that time, you know, kind of beautiful and and innocent. And um, but you know, we used real fake eyeballs, like eyeballs, you know, yeah. you know, it, it was, I mean, the, the amount of the changes and the um, variations in developing him, you know, it was super intense and it was. An, oh, I bet. I think it was the, the, the when we did the camera test three days before shooting, his hair was terrible. It looked like a, he looked like a, uh, like a male figure skater. He had this like, long, <laughs> his hair was like, had these wings and that wasn't like what the design was, but it's what the wig looked like. And so the night before we're in there, like, you know, I've, having them cut his hair a certain way going, oh, this is a nightmare. Like if he shows yes. up like that, it changes everything. But then, <laughs> yes. um, and it turned out good. Like uh, we uh, on the shooting day, he was like, ah, that's, that's the hair we wanted. Do you treat the boy like he's a little cast member? Like, is it like, do you have to like, do like set the tone? Like when you're doing something scary like that, like how do you make everybody kind of feel the weight of it? Or do people like goof around? Because I feel like there's kind of different ways people run horror sets where like it's on one side of it's super extreme people it tends to be like a lighter set yeah i mean it's, you know it, he was kind of treated like a cast member for sure i mean and you know here's what's funny about him on set you know he has different looks based on what's happening in the story especially in the second when he was in the dirt but he's over there and we put him in a chair and i've got great like you know behind the scenes photos of him but but not only is he is he just sitting there waiting to go on camera, and of course you get used to it and you feel like he's a he is a cast member. But like based on like how his hair was, we needed it to you know like be style a certain way. So he would have little clips in his hair, like so that his hair would you know curve a certain way when we let the clips down. So it would be like he would be waiting with rollers, you know, in between take. So it wasn't heavy or anything, but it wasn't like goofy. It was like and yeah, it's serious. careful with him, you know, because he's he's somewhat fragile depending on which version of him he is. But yeah, you know, he's uh and he just sitting there, you know, getting lit for a scene uh the other actors are across from him and it's really no different you know it's kind of like a stand-in except there is no person to fill the space it's just him because you as an actor you're supposed to technically you've been given the directive of like well like i love the interplay of the that's what's so good about the boy is the is the is he real? Like that feeling of like, you know, like you could watch them kind of play that process of as he became real. 
Yeah. Which is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, how did how did Brahms the second one prepare yeah. you to do this new movie? So Orphan First Kill. So this is like so you've done a sequel or or like a mm-hmm. yeah. How does this prep you? Like what, I, I mean, obviously they are different structures, but like is there something about like because you didn't make the first Orphan? How do you like continue that story? Well, you know, one thing that's great is the first movie holds up so well, you know, and yeah. um, I mean, there's a quality to it that's dated that we kind of wanted to partly lean into both in the look and sound of it. But um, and it had such a such an exceptional uh, level of casting, you know, for for a horror film um, for, for a movie then. So you're like, OK, we have to some degree the answers to the tests, you know, especially when Isabel was officially on board and we knew you know and i knew like other than the technical aspects of making her believable or you know in the story we have you know the actress who knows better than anybody you know how to bring to life his character but as far as the look and feel it's like part of it is like when in doubt look at the original film you know yeah um it was like that with casting you know like bringing on julia to me was a really like it's the same kind of level as uh Vera Farmuga, you know. Um, and it's like uh when you know, when it was just normal creative conversations and, and people are like, Oh, what about this casting choice? And it's like that doesn't really live up to what the original film was. So always going back and pointing to the original movie because it was so good and being able oh, to yeah. lean on it on every level to make sure that. You know, we're doing things more in a unique way from the original film, but at the same time, it still needs to be that DNA. So, and 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 the boy movies definitely prepared me for that for many reasons because it's similar. There's a lot of similarities, you know, in the in the in the look and style. I feel and, like in the tone, there's yeah. like there is similarity in tone, which is like yeah. Yeah, I feel like it actually does allow you to move pretty much directly from the boy to orphan yeah from your grave. hey what's up everyone how you doing ben kissel here with henry zabrowski <laughs> yeah it's me man yeah bro henry zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left babe. <laughs> so go out there and purchase yourself some i hope you enjoy it we have sativa we have indica and we have a hybrid and i have to tell you from my personal experience they are wonderful super tasty live resin you really get the delicious weedy taste which is what i like and yes. three different experiences you go to your local vape store and get it absolutely thank you all so much for supporting the show we absolutely love you can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape put it in your brain and have a good time and if you want us at your favorite weed store give them a call and ask for them by name absolutely. last podcast on the left it's weed hail yourselves everyone hail satan no matter what kind of work you do how you communicate is key yeah very key you gotta communicate clearly All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits. 
versus me because I do use Grammarly and it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today. Right. But Grammarly really does help because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because i just moved here to los angeles i got a yard now and i'm doing all the landscaping myself i love working in my garden i love planting stuff i love growing stuff and the cool thing about fast growing trees that i really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in i'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants, or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah. Toss that rock. Come on, guys. Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? 
Woo-wee, dog. Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today and use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Well, do you feel like now that there has been, we talked about this a little bit before, and you said that people have brought this to your attention, the story of Natalia Grace. Yeah. That was this this story that we covered on Side Stories quite a bit, but the, and the real, a real tiny person yeah. pretending to be a child. Yeah. Like I said, you know, you know, in Vintiana, um, these, right now, it's so popular to watch uh, movies and series in particular about these charlatans, you know, whether they're creating um, WeWork or, um, yeah. you know, something like the um, inventor. And um, and then I think the love of the con man is a slightly American aspirational idea, because I think it kind of brings up the idea of like it's the very core of the make money from nothing. Yeah, I mean, American ideal. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. And then what always fascinates me about those stories and a story like Natalia Grace and a story like like Esther or Lena um, is like these sociopaths, you know, on different levels. And they all are um, like, what are you thinking? Like, what what do you think is the end game here? Because you can't sustain this. Eventually, you're not like Natalia Grace. You're not going to grow up. And then they're going to be like, what's going on? What's your so, deal? Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. Like when you cut her, hang, her hanging out, playing dominoes and smoking shit. Like she's like that character from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, which I love. And it's, yeah. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, you know, like um, I get it as a, as a means to an end, maybe, you know, like with Esther, you know, getting to America. It's a great way to get to America and to slip through whatever people were looking for this, uh, an adult. And so she slips through the cracks as a child. But how long, you know, do you think that can last and how many times are you going to continue to do that same thing? And I feel like with the characters like this, their lives are probably very painful as normal adults. And so they slip into these lies. But like I said, those lies aren't sustainable. So when are you going to learn from the lesson? A lot of times when you see these guys, especially pathological liars, uh, people that have a, uh, we see it's like some version of an antisocial personality disorder, like whatever is in under yeah. that umbrella. A lot of times it's the only way that they feel anything. Like they legitimately yeah. have a block. They only feel, they feel nothing. Like there's nothing registers. And the only thing that does register is upping the stakes of your current life. Like yeah. you do things where you try to f- fuck with the system because it gi- it gives you a reaction finally. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of the reverse of something like, um, is it Munchausen syndrome? Um, is that where you were, you know, where you, where you poisoned your the, child? Is that well, the, yeah, they've got the two different, ver- yes, it is yeah, Munchausen by proxy. I believe that it's yes. like the idea that you have the, it's the mom keeping the kids sick kid kind of leaning into the you know it's this sort of inner world of of, of I, I put it just mental illness oh yeah yeah and and um and so you know someone like talia grace it's like as an adult is she ridiculed in some way that is just really hurt but as a child she gets to be the smartest kid in the room and oh yeah she gets that crush feels great you know <laughs> yeah she's you know <laughs> she's brilliant 
And it's the same way with Esther, you know, she's, you know, and we talked about like Esther's past. I mean, she's 31 in this movie, 33 in the other. So she's got 20 years in back in oh, yeah. she's supposed to be, you know, but like oh, yeah. she go to college and she tried to go to college and, and did she, you know, uh, was she 28 and fell in love with her TA, her, you know, teacher's assistant or, but got laughed out of that or something. And, you know, like, and then decided, okay, I'm going to go back to acting like I'm a kid again. Like, who knows how many times she tried to become a normal person and it just didn't work out and being a kid exactly way to do it. I and people know. positioned her already as a little kid. I think that there is yeah. a little bit of that too, where she looks like a child. Mm -hmm. And so people kind of treat you as such. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, so she just deals with it. Like a really brilliant child. Yeah. Like, so you get nothing but positive validation. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Have you ever thought about this? No, maybe this is kind of, this is out of the box. But have you thought about maybe doing a tie-in uh, to the orphan, orphan two first kill, where you go to orphanages and try to find and suss out these fake children, and that you do it yourself. You and Isabella go from orphanage to orphanage, and you get three of them with the pair of parents, right? And you try to find out which is the secret adult. It's a it, right. It's it's like a it's like a dating show. Um, you know, who mm -hmm. is the fake child? Uh, Who's the fake orphan? child? Who is the fake orphan? The um, that's something we haven't thought about. And it's mm. like it is one of those great like um, off outside the box ideas in a publicity um, scenario. I think that we should try it. No, I, I think I'm going to put money into this. Well, what's interesting to me is because is, there's more than Natalia Grace. It's like, oh, yeah. How how many especially um adopted orphans from another country who are coming in as even at 12, but they're actually 18, you know, um, how much of that is actually happening? And how many of those girls, you know, uh, bless their hearts, are hoping maybe I will sleep with the dad and get a green card and, you know, those types of things. That's rough. Oh, yeah. I'll tell it you what, rough. man. I don't believe I actually think that it's up to 75% of orphans are fake. Yeah. Well, especially Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm pretty I'm that close. I think 75 to 90% of orphans are adults pretending to be children. And that's I I wish we could stop it. I wish we could stop. And it. you mean and you don't you mean they still could grow up. Not necessarily they have a condition that will keep them a child forever. Oh no, no, no. That's why they have to wipe out the parents. Yes. They have to wipe out their own parents so they just get in there and then restructure and then become somebody else's orphan. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's it's not that far, you know, from from other scenarios that we know are very real, you know. Um I think I think so. Do you think that between the boy and orphan is the reason why you probably why you don't have children? I think um because you just can't trust them. Yeah, that's part of it in a way. Yeah. Um you know what it did for me and my wife was we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. That stopped it because we were like we're good. We're like, we're relatively normal and you can still make a crazy one. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it's a cross between either them being crazy or, you know, um, they could, you know, I could have easily been very, you know, depressed and, um, and just sad. Um, or mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I, I, I joke, like I tried to kill my stepmother once. Now this is, uh, not really, but like mm -hmm. when I was like, she was like kind of a step monster to me. And um, and so I put hairspray on her toothbrush when I was like six years old. 
unbelievable. <laughs> you can't like, trust these kids. No, you cannot trust a child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I think that's. I think it's what we know for certain. Well, it's I'm very scared of them. It's certainly what these stories are leaning into. You know that fear mm-hmm. that you can't trust a child, or you can't, can't even trust that a doll's not maybe real, or um, or that it doesn't have a life when the lights go out. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, aspects of that. It creeps me out, man. Cause I have that. I have one of these, like I have this like Chucky mask above, oh, yeah. like right on the side of me. And, and it sits in a way that it's right above my chair. And so when I come, if I have to go to the bathroom at night or whatever, and it coming out and it freaks me out two or three times a week. Like I see it. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's part of the fun too. Like with horror of, of, you know, creating scenarios that feel grounded in a fairly normal life to where, you know, when you leave the movie, you're not off the hook, you know, you still, yeah, yeah, yeah. or when you finish watching the movie, you know, you, you still in the middle of the night and you go to use the bathroom, uh, see the Chucky mask and it scares you three times a week. I and mean, that's amazing. It's a goddamn orphan. <laughs> um, dude. So, uh, orphan first kill comes out August 19th. Yes. Very excited to see it. I can't wait. I know our people are going to love it because we're all, I'm going to say we're orphan heads. I mean, it's a movie made very much. It's kind of a love letter to her and to fans, you know, of her. I mean, you know, it wasn't just a movie made just to make a movie. It was a movie very much made with, and I'm a fan, you know, with, to go, oh yeah, like, I want to, I mean, you'll see. I'll always spend more time with an orphan. (laughs) I can't wait. But thank you so much, Brent. Thank you so much for talking to me today. And we'll put up a little link and I'll let you know when it goes up. Great, man. Thank you so much. Live from your grave. Thank you again to all you Patreon listeners for every single thing that you've done. Have all of the delicious ducats that you have given from your hot, wet little pockets to our big, wide, cold, dry pockets. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Hail Satan. Uh, go watch Orphan First Kill. I know I'm going to. You know I like this shit. And it's going to be it's gonna be great. Get high as hell. Drink a bunch of beers. And hopefully that orphan does a little bit more mayhem because God, I need it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.